Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Chapter 28, verses 47 and 48. I'll tell you what, we'd stay with it, but I'm teaching on on the attitude of praise tonight. So I want to share and then we'll get right back into it. Is that okay? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, and this is a message I believe will revolutionize our lives. I I, I believe that with all my heart. Hallelujah. Get God actively involved in the affairs of our lives like never before. Deuteronomy 28, 47, 48. Father, we approach your word with humility and with reverence. And we give thanks to you that your word is found to be faithful, trustworthy, and true. We can trust our lives, Father God, to its provisions. And we thank you, our Father, for ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds that are open. We set ourselves as an act of our will to be attentive. We will not be distracted in any way. We thank you for revelation knowledge to pour forth and to flow in a mighty way. We thank you, Spirit of God, for enlarging our capacity to receive revelation knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness, that we may walk worthy of the Father unto all pleasing. We thank you, dear Father God, that these things are accomplished within our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First of all, let me reiterate a few points from last week. We talked about the true worshiper last week. Tonight we're talking about the attitude of praise. Everybody say the attitude of praise. First of all, we said last week that the true worshiper is the one who who knows that he is to worship God with his whole life. That means spiritually, emotionally, physically, intellectually. It means socially. It means financially. It means in every area of life. We're to worship God. We're to live for God to pursue truth. We understand also that the true worshiper of God is the one who knows that his spirit, soul, and body, in other words, his entire being is involved in the worship of God. It's not just coming together here like this and lifting your hands to heaven. It involves our entire being, our entire being, our spirit, our soul, and our body, every part of our being, every part of our makeup. The true worshiper realizes that. And also, the true worshiper is the one who knows he is to live his life around the throne of God. He is to live his life in the holies of holies before the presence of God. The true worshiper knows that. And so he lives around the throne. He worships around the throne. He absorbs the presence of God. He absorbs the power of God. He absorbs the wisdom of God, the love of God, the might of God. And then he is invigorated his spirit with the very life by breathing in the very power of God's might, the Father's might, right into his own being. And then he begins to operate in the power of a higher life. That is the one who truly is the worshiper of God. He does not operate in this realm of life in his own strength or ability. He operates in the power of the Most High. He has learned to exchange strengths with God. And God fills him to overflowing with the invigorating power of the Holy Ghost. And he operates in this higher life. Thank God. That's the true worshiper of God. Now, we also said that in the New Testament, we know that there are three types of believers. There's the babe, there's the carnal Christian, and there is the spiritual Christian. And in the Old Testament, you'll find out that there were three types of worship. Worship from the outer court, worship in the holy place, and worship in the holiest place of all. And it represents three types of Christians here upon the earth today. Those who worship from afar off, that is from the outer court, you know, in the outer courtyard. And those who worship in the holy place, and those who have learned to worship within the veil. That is, they're in the presence of the Most High God. So first of all, we have the the babe in Christ, which is fine. 
You know, when you're first born, you're a babe, and that's okay. But you don't want to stay a babe. You want to grow up and develop. But when you're first saved, that's all you know. You see, you're, you're still body ruled, still flesh ruled, or dominated by the flesh. And therefore, until you begin to learn about the things of God, you're worshiping from a distance, from afar off. And as I said, that's okay if you are a babe in Christ. But then you want to go and begin to learn. And in the holy place is the place of learning. That's where we learn who we are in Christ. That's where we learn about our rights and learn about our privileges in Christ. And as we are in the process of learning, you see, we're, we're entering into a closer fellowship with the Father. Closer intimacy of fellowship with the Father. Because we're learning all these things, we can more accurately worship Him. Do you see that? Because we're learning about Him. Before we didn't know how to, but now we know how to. See, now we know how to because we've we, renewed our minds into the Word, into the will of the Father God. So as this process begins to take place, you see, we are being changed and we are more accurately worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. And so we're getting closer. We're drawing nigh unto the Father. And we want to enter into the holiest of all. But listen, there are some things that have to be settled in that holy place. That place is the soulless realm of man. His mind is being dealt with. His will is being dealt with. His emotions are being dealt with. You understand that? That's the soulish part of man. And in that place, we have to recognize that there are certain things that try to keep us out of the holiest place of all. And what are those things? What about the spirit of the world? What about the cares of this life? What about problems and, and adversities and difficulties? All these things try to keep us, you see, in that babyhood stage or carnal state of Christianity to prevent us from entering all the way in. So we have to deal with those things. There's where God is, our Father is dealing with our will. If we really want to lay down our lives for Him and to live for Him in spirit, in soul, and in body, we've got to make willful choices and decisions. That we are going to serve Him with a pure heart. We are not going to live for ourselves. The spirit of the world is not going to contaminate us. We're making decisions in our lives. We are not going to be controlled by our emotions. And also, we've got to deal with inferiorities. Sin consciousness. Guilt and condemnation. And sometimes feelings of inadequacy. If those things are not dealt with, see, then they'll prevent us from entering into the innermost place, the holiest of all, and truly living in the presence of the Father God. So remember that. It's in that place. The soulless realm of man has to be dealt with. Our emotions, our feelings. We're not going to be led by our emotions. Just because we may have feelings of inadequacy, we know that in Christ we can do all things and we are accepted in the throne room of the Father. Amen? Amen. And even though we may feel in fury before God, we know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. You see how that changes our way of thinking? It's dealing with this part, the soulish part of man. It enables us then to stand boldly in the presence of the Father God and say, Yes, Father, I am here not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is and what He has done. And it's in this place also that we learn what it means to be a priest unto God and to serve Him and offer spiritual sacrifices to Him. So it's in that place of learning that we are being changed. We're dealing with our emotions, our feelings of inadequacy and guilt and all that stuff. And we're putting those things aside because of the blood of the Lamb. It's not because of what we have done, but because of the blood of Jesus that we can enter into that place. And then we press right on in through the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. By this new and living way, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and your body washed of pure water, enter right on it. Notice the body's been dealt with with the Word of God. Notice uh, we've been delivered from an evil conscience. Our soulish part of man is, is, has been dealt with. Our thinking, our reasoning faculties, we're cleansing also our, our soulish part. Our emotions are not keeping us out. We're now entering in Amen. by the blood of Jesus 
in full assurance of faith. That means because of what Jesus has done for us and right into the presence of God, the Holy of Holies is where we are going to live our lives. And make note of this. It's in that place, you see, people, first of all, become people of vision. People of vision and people of spiritual perception. They know who they are in Christ. They know their rights and privileges. They know that they have the right, the God-given right, to stand there in the presence of the Father God Himself in that holy place without sin, spotless and holy and blameless before the presence of the glory of the living God and worship Him because they've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. They are His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, and they stand there before His presence as a priest unto God and cry out, Abba, Father, we set our love, our affection, our complete devotion upon You, and we serve You with joyfulness and gladness of heart. We love You, Father God. Do you see that? That's the person of vision. He knows who He is. He sees who He sees Himself in that place with the Father God. He has set His love and, and, and affection upon the Father God. He knows who He is. He knows what He has. And it's all Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. Say it with me. It's all because of Jesus. Say it again. It's all because of Jesus. Say it again. It's all because of Jesus. See, He knows that. She knows that. It's all because of Jesus. They've learned that. They're people of spiritual perception. They're not there in arrogance or pride. They're there because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done. They know they belong there. It's their God-given right. And so they begin to worship around the throne. They begin to live around the throne. They absorb the Father's presence, His beauty, His love, the invigorating power of the Holy Ghost. And they are charged up, supercharged in spirit. And they begin to live in the power of an endless life. Hallelujah. That's the true worshiper of God who worships in the holy place, the holiest place of all. Now let's continue talking about the attitude of praise in Deuteronomy 28, 47 and 48. Notice this. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger, thirst, nakedness, and in want of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. Now he's talking about Attitudes. He's talking about attitudes. See, the Israelites were not serving the Father God with joy and gladness in their heart. It was a drudgery. For them, as far as they were concerned, it was too difficult. And so they viewed it that way. They were complainers. They had bad attitudes. They were not people of vision or spiritual perception. They had bad attitudes. And he said here, if you continue in that type of of thinking in that frame of mind with that kind of an attitude and you don't serve me with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, then you will serve your enemy. And this is very important. I want you to get a hold of this because this is going to be the difference between freedom and bondage. Freedom and bondage. Very often we want to count on the laying out of hands and the prayer of faith and the anointing of God to break the power of Satan over a person's life or deliver that person when in reality... As long as they're going to continue in an attitude of self-pity, murmuring and complaining and not serving God with joy and gladness in their hearts, they're not going to experience permanent help and deliverance because they'll be right back into that yoke of bondage around their neck serving the enemy. Do you see that? He's talking about two different attitudes. And so we want to understand that we are to have the attitude of praise. And what I mean by an attitude is this. It is a, a position that we take, an emotional stand 
or an emotional position that we take. It is something that we firmly adhere to or believe in. Our views, a point of view that we hold to regarding a certain matter. And in this case, he's talking about our attitude toward serving God. And it should be one of praise. It should be one of constant, continuous worship. This is what he's talking about here. And I want to explain it to you in the Scriptures. I want to show it to you in the Scriptures. Go with me to Acts chapter 5, if you would, please. I believe this particular Scripture itself points, to, points out to us what it means to serve God with an attitude of praise or in an attitude of praise. In Acts chapter 5, and I believe it's verse 40. You see the disciples here, they were taking the question because of all the things that they did in the name of the Lord. They were servants of the Most High God. They went forth and they did the works of Jesus. Miracles were wrought by their hands, signs and wonders. And because of it, they got into trouble. They were persecuted. The devil stirred up trouble. They were persecuted. They were about to let them go because there was anything they can do lest they fight against God Himself. And in verse 40, And to Him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, beaten them, beaten them. You think about that for a minute. When was the last time we got beaten for Jesus? Have we ever? They were servants of the Most High God. They were doing the will of the Father. They had miracles, signs, and wonders take place. And it got them into a mess and a heap of trouble. It got them to a place where they were surrounded by their enemy. They were taken captive by the enemy. And even though they were talked into letting them go, and they were about to let them go, they felt, let's give a good beating and don't tell them not to preach in Jesus' name any longer. And so, what kind of attitude did they possess? What kind of attitude did they maintain? Was it one of self-pity? Was, was it one of, woe is me? Was it one of, of anxiety and fear? We better, you know, fear, lest we do this and, and, and they do this to us again. No, it wasn't one of self-pity. It was not one of fear. It wasn't one of always me. Why is this happening to me? All these problems, all these difficulties I'm facing in life. It wasn't that way. Look at what they said. And beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. And that means with joy in their hearts. With joyfulness in their hearts. And gladness in their hearts. It makes no sense. They just got beaten bad. And yet there was an attitude about them. They were the servants of the Most High God. They didn't walk away somewhere complaining to each other all the things that happened that were so bad. They walked away from that place, that beating, and they began to rejoice. And they began to shout their praise unto God. And what did they say? Look how they considered. Look at their attitude. Look at their frame of mind. Look at the, the attitude that they possessed. Look at their stand or position that they took. They had a strong, firmly fixed position... In Christ. And no matter what came their way, they still said, we will joy in the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord always. And look at this. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. What an attitude. What an attitude. That's the attitude of praise right there. 
See, it's not just kneeling down somewhere, shouting somewhere, going to a church service somewhere. It's not just walking around and saying these words, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, glory be to God Almighty, when everything is going well and fine, and when everything is fine, everything is well. I'm thinking about it. There's no pressure put upon you. You're merry, you're singing psalms and hymns, and you're joying in the Lord, and that's okay. But, beloved, this is what separates the men from the boys. This is what's going to show whether or not we live in the holiest of all or in the outer court or just the holy place. This is what's going to determine who we are and what's really in us and what we have been absorbing in our lives. These men are no different, were no different than we are today. They encountered more difficulties and struggles and adversities than we have because we live in a land of freedom. And when this happened to them, they had this attitude about them. It's an honor. I counted a worthy thing. We're worthy to suffer shame for His name. Thank God. And they went away from that place with an attitude of praise and worship and rejoicing in the Lord God Almighty. And because of it, the Spirit of glory rested upon them. Make note of that. Because of it, you see, the Bible says when we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, the Spirit of glory will rest upon us if we will only rejoice in it. If we rejoice in it, the spirit of glory and of our God will rest upon us and that spirit was resting upon them. Now, although they possessed a humble attitude, they also still possess a victorious attitude. Now, how many of you know that all of us, no matter who we are, face difficulties in life? And we encounter adversities and troubles and situations that are contrary to the will of God for our lives. No one's exempt from that. See, the fact of redemption does not exempt us from experiencing those difficulties in life. But what's going to make the difference is our attitude. If we have the right attitude in spirit and in soul, and we take a firmly fixed position and stand when encountering these difficulties then we will experience the Spirit and the glory of God moving on our behalf to remedy the situation. But if we get caught up in a negative attitude, if we get caught up in murmuring and complaining, if we get caught up in that woe is me, self-pity syndrome, then what will happen is we will play right into the hands of the enemy and a yoke of iron will be about our neck. You think about that for a minute. See, and then we try to get people set free through the anointing and the laying on of hands, and it may work for a while, but because they get back under that spirit of murmuring and complaining and self-pity, why is this happening to me? Look at the difficulty I'm encountering, and we fail to do what the Bible says. Just look at those that have gone before us. Look what they've encountered. Though it's a strange thing that this happens to us, because it's happening to every person who is in Christ, because everyone who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, Right? So don't think it's a strange thing. Take a stand, the Bible says. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Take a stand against the works of darkness. Even when adversity is staring us in the face, don't keep a steadfast look at the problem. Don't continue to look at the difficulty. Don't continue to look at the, at the trouble. Because if we take that attitude, it's going to cause us to lose spiritual initiative. And that will put us into bondage to the enemy. That yoke of iron will be upon our neck and we won't know how to get out of the problem. We'll bring the enemy on the scene and not God on the scene. The spirit of oppression will come upon us. If they would have walked away from that place and said, I'm telling you what, I never had this happen to me when I was out there fishing on the boat. I never had anything happen to me. 
like this in all my life. And all of a sudden, I start preaching and teaching the name of Jesus and miracles begin to happen. And now look, all of a sudden, we're whipped and beaten. This is ridiculous. Why is this happening to us? Why should this happen to me? If they would have maintained that kind of attitude, I guarantee you a spirit of oppression would have come upon them. And they would have regressed. And as they continue to regress, then possibly depression and obsession would come upon them. See, we're no different. They're no different. We're all the same. People, look, look folks, people are people. As one said, folks is folks. Right? They're no different than we are. We're no different than they are. We all have spirits. We have souls and bodies. We're, we are a spirit being. We live, we, we live in, a, in a body. We have a soul upon this earth. And that's just it. We're facing the same world, same spirit of the world, same difficulty, same pressure, same trouble, same circumstances. It's how we react and respond. It's the stand that we take. It's our attitude about things that's going to make the difference. If we choose as an act of our will to have this kind of a spiritual and mental attitude, God will come on the scene. Listen to it. As far as I'm concerned, as far as we are concerned, by the power of of the Holy Ghost, by the Word of the living God, by the authority that God has given unto us in the name of Jesus, as far as I am concerned, we will overcome. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We can handle any situation that comes our way. And so we're going to maintain an attitude of joy and one of victory. And we're going to say that He is on our side. He is with us. He is for us. He is in us. Who can defeat us? Thank God Almighty the greater one is inside of us. Who can be against us and who can destroy us and who can overcome us? I'm just going to stand firm and stand fixed. Have an anchor for my soul. Jesus has gone before me and thank God I'm on my way. But in this life, although tribulation may come, I'm of good cheer because He's overcome the world that we're living in. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you'll get God on the scene. You'll get the, the Father God moving by His Spirit. You'll have angels ministering for you because you are that heir of salvation. But if we take the other attitude, see what happens is we go about with negativism. We go about with self-pity and all that. Murmuring and complaining. See, then the enemy really has a stronghold over the life. And oppression comes upon the person. And we try to get them delivered by the power of God. But if they continue to allow that to happen, they'll just be going in and out, in and out, in bondage, out of bondage, in bondage, out of bondage, back and forth. But when we begin to realize who we are, when we know what we have, when we recognize that He infuses inner strength into our being, and we, when we praise Him and worship Him and magnify Him in the midst of difficulty and situations and circumstances and adversities, you know what? We know that He will manifest Himself in a glorious and powerful way to see to it. He brings us the answers to our questions and solutions to our problems. Amen. Amen. Well, beloved, I, I believe what we need to do is make a decision then. I want you to turn me to Philippians chapter 4 while I'm saying this. We need to make a decision in all of our lives. That is to demonstrate an attitude of praise by deciding that the power of the Holy Ghost that is within us, that the Word of the living God that is living within us, that's quickened in us, by the power of the name of Jesus, we can handle anything. Now listen carefully. You cannot always control what happens to you. I cannot always control what happens to me. But I can control what happens in me. I can control. You can control what happens in you. And that means this. Those things that are coming from without, that beating, 
All those things, the persecutions that were coming from without were intended to be fiery missiles to get in within the heart of those to cause discouragement and loss of spiritual initiative. But you know what? Because they learned some things that Jesus taught them, they were able to handle the problem in victory. They were successful in overcoming because they were able to control what was happening in them. Although they couldn't always control what happened to them, they were always able to control what happened in them. And because they were in charge of what was happening in them, they did not permit the discouragement to come in. They didn't permit the self-pity to come in. They didn't permit any anxiety, any fear or frustration or worries or dismay. They refused to allow that within them. And, re- and make notice, if the devil cannot get you into a place of discouragement and defeat, and, and a loss of spiritual initiative, He will not be able to overcome you in any area of your life. But if He can get you into the area of self-pity where you lose your joy, you've lost your fortified place in God. And that's why He is endeavoring to, from without, to cause things to affect you on the inside, from within. But you can control what happens within all the time. So don't allow it. Make a decision in your heart and mind that the Holy Ghost that the name of Jesus and the Word that are alive in you, living in you, in your life, makes you the victorious one, makes you the overcoming one, and you refuse to allow anything from without to control you on the inside. Another thing to make note of, we can't always control what people do to us. But we can control what we do to people. We can't always control what people say about us. But we can control what we say about people. That is, to them or about them. We can't control what they say to us all the time. But we can control what we say to them. And this again is the attack of the enemy. To get people to say things to us, to do things to us. See that we can control in effort to do what? Either to get us to respond or to react in a negative way to them, about them doing things that are wrong so that our heart, you see, is affected by our wrong actions. We can't always control the things that happen to us, but we can control, you see, what happens in us. And what people do to us, what people say about us, we can't always control. But what we say about them and what we do to them, we can control. And so what we have to do then is rise up in the morning time and start saying it this way. This is the, Lord, the, the day the Lord has made. I am living in the day and the hour that the Lord has made, the hour of redemption. And I'm entering into the very holiest throne room of my Father God. And Father God, as far as I'm concerned, the two of us together, God the Father, Son, Holy Ghost that live in me, we are the majority. And we are the victorious ones here upon this earth. And I will not allow anything to control me on the inside except your spirit, except your power, except your word, except the power of the name of Jesus. I will not allow anybody to get me out of the realm of love. I will refuse anything that is contrary to life, to love, to, to light, to health, to soundness, to wholeness and well-being. I refuse to allow anything. I'm going to choose to operate in the power of an endless life. I am here to absorb your power, to be invigorated by the glories of your power and of your might, to be refreshed in my spirit with a fresh anointing. I am here to draw and absorb of your wisdom and of your love that I may go forth this day and control, you see, all the things and the situations 
that would try or endeavor to get into my life. And beloved, if you'll do that, you'll begin to maintain an attitude of praise and an attitude of gratitude and one of worship. And even when negative things happen, what will happen is, because you're in control, the joy of the Lord will rise up in you. The joy of the Lord will be your strength, your fortified place. The spirit of glory will rest upon you. And then the power of your God will be demonstrated. And you'll see the salvation of your God. For whoso offereth praise, the attitude of praise, glorifieth me. And to him that orders his conversation aright, that's his lifestyle, aright, will I demonstrate and show the salvation. What's he mean by your lifestyle? That's exactly what he's saying. The one that will choose to operate in the power of an endless life. The one that will choose to be the one who is in control of situations and not allow situations to control him from within. The one who makes a decision that together with God on our side, the power of God, the name of Jesus, the word of God, we can handle anything and everything that comes our way. We choose to walk uprightly before you to keep your law, statutes, and your judgments, knowing that you're in us and you're the greater source of all strength and power. He says to that person, I'll demonstrate my salvation. I refuse to get into self-pity, worry, anxiety, fear, and fretting and all those different things and have my pity parties and murmuring and complaining and, and all that. I choose to walk with an attitude of praise. I choose to serve you with joyfulness and gladness in my heart. And beloved, when we choose to do that, the result will be glorious in our lives. Now, this is not something that automatically happens. And I want us all to understand this. This is something that is learned. It's something we must learn. Let's read it. Romans, or I'm sorry, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, what I want to do is read that also from the Amplified Bible. Remember, this is Apostle Paul speaking, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness. Verse 6, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance... And in everything by prayer and petition, definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And the peace of God be yours, that tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For the rest, brethren, whether it's true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and, and winsome and gracious, if there's any virtue, excellence, and if there's anything worthy of praise, think on and weigh on and take an account on these things. Fix your minds on them. He's talking about an attitude or a frame of mind. Practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Now, they were taught this, the Philippians were taught this by Paul. He says, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And model your way of living on it. And the God of peace of untroubled and undisturbed well-being will be with you. Verse 11. Not that I am implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned. Very important. For I have learned. Everybody say, I have learned. Paul says, I have learned. And if Paul had to learn it, we have to learn it. He taught the Philippians it. But would Paul learn it? If you'll read Galatians, the first chapter, you'll find out that Paul didn't learn anything that he learned from men. Who taught the Apostle Paul? 
All that he received, he received by revelation. You ready for this? The one that first taught people how to live in victory in the midst of adversity was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The one who taught his disciples to rejoice and count it joy in the midst of calamity was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He taught the Apostle Paul this. Paul learned, well, what did he learn? I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. Now, he's not talking about Ohio, Pennsylvania, Nebraska or anything like that. He's talking about the conditions, the circumstances, and all those things that surround him. And I want to read that to you from another translation. In the 20th century New Testament, it says this. For I, however I am placed, I have learned to be independent of circumstance. I have learned. What did he learn? I have learned to be independent of circumstance. In other words, no matter what state I am in. No matter what my position is, no matter where I'm at and what's happening around me, I have learned. What did he learn? Jesus taught him how to be independent of circumstance. In other words, his emotional stand, his emotional state, his attitude of mind and heart was not dependent upon the circumstances or the situations that surrounded his life. His attitude was simply based on the fact that he could rejoice in the Lord. And anything he encountered in life would not produce fretting or worry or fear because he could go to the Lord in prayer in verse 6 and offer his petition to the Father God with thanksgiving, knowing that the Father heard him. And that produced within him this, this garrison about him of peace to do what? To guard and to protect that state of mind that he was in, which was the attitude of gratitude or the attitude of praise. And then when anything tried to enter in, he says, what I did then was I began to think on things that are pure, things that are true, things that are just, things that are lovely, things that are virtuous. If there be any virtue or praise, I think on these things, things that cause praise, things that cause truth. He began to set his mind on those beautiful qualities, those beautiful characteristics, those beautiful things, those forces in life. And he maintained an attitude, you see, of thanksgiving and praise before God. And because of it, the circumstances did not eat away at him to get into his heart and in his mind. I have learned, whatever sentiment, to be independent of the circumstances. And let's go on. Verse 12. I know how to be abased. And I know also how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full, to be hungry... To abound to suffer need. But in verse 13, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. That is, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. To infuse means to steep or to soak in. To absorb in. Well, how would that happen? The Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall do what? shall exchange their strengths. So he learned the secret of exchanging strengths with Christ and with God. He knew that by rejoicing in the Lord. Now notice it. Rejoicing in the Lord always. And let all men see your rejoicing. 
Let them see the hope that is in you. Let them know that you operate in the power of a higher life, of an endless life. Let them know that you're not controlled or moved by the outward circumstances. What they say to you is not going to get in you and affect you. What they do to you is not going to get in you and affect you. And all those different things we said will not get in you and affect you because you have learned to rejoice in the Lord in an attitude of praise and worship at all times. And again, I say rejoice. You have learned that if there is difficulty, trouble and adversity to go to the Lord in prayer and do not fret or have anxiety or worry. You have learned to offer up your petition in faith with thanksgiving to the Father God so the peace of God would come upon you and garrison about you, protect your heart and protect your mind. You have learned that whatever circumstance you are in to be independent of the circumstances, of the situation. Your joy does not depend on the circumstances, what he's saying here. And because of all that, you begin to stay in that attitude of praise and worship, and then he begins to infuse his inner strength into your being. And we, begins, we begin to absorb all that, and we begin to operate in this power of the endless life. That is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, I have learned and now I can do. I have learned, now I can do. I have learned how, now I can do all things through Christ who infuses His inner strength into my being. And it's all because I live a lifestyle or an attitude of praise in my day-to-day living. That's what he was saying here. I want to show you somebody else. He, didn't, he was the only one with that attitude. There was somebody else. Look at back in Psalms chapter 34. Here's another character. I'm telling you, he knew all about it. And let's, let's learn from his example. Psalms 34. But before, I, before I, we go and read this, I, I need to say something else in connection with this because it's so good. We hear it time and time again. Notice in Philippians, he's teaching by, by precept. The Apostle Paul is. And it's easy to teach by precept. But it's more effective when you teach by example. Is it not? It's one thing to say, it's another thing to do it and live it. This Apostle Paul, in Acts 16, along with Silas, encountered adversity. He just got done casting out a spirit of divination out of a woman. I'm telling you, the rulers around the place and those that she worked for, they were absolutely upset because they lost their means of income. Then all of a sudden... They rose up in anger against the Apostle Paul and Silas and they cast him into the inner prison. With their feet and stocks all bound up there in the innermost prison in darkness, being whipped, beaten, and all that once again, bloody mess. The Bible says that Paul and Silas prayed. Now, now, now that's one thing to say people rejoice in the Lord always when your back is nice and tan. It's a little bit different when your back is ripped open and there's blood pouring out and you're faint and you're weak. They didn't just say to do it. He actually did it. In that place of difficulty, in that place of adversity, in that face of in the face of trouble and and all that they encountered in that circumstance and situation. Instead of murmuring, instead of complaining, instead of being full of self-pity and all that. You know the story. They prayed and then they began to sing praises unto God. They maintain an attitude of praise through it all. 
And as they maintain the attitude of praise in that difficulty, the Bible says that there was an earthquake. We see God, picture God sitting on the throne, the foot being, or, or the earth being his footstool. Seated on his throne, earth being his footstool means his feet are on the earth. And right there where they were in prison, he begins to move his big toe. Maybe his little toe. That's all it would have taken. And all of a sudden, the place began to shake. The earth began to quake. Everyone's bands were loose. I like that about our God and Father. Not just theirs, everyone's bands were loosed. I'm telling you, you get hooked up with people that know God, that serve God. You get yourself influenced by those people. It'll come on you. It'll get a hold of you. God wants people so free. Just get near Him. Get near people that know Him. And you'll get free also. That's what it's supposed to be about, is it not? Everyone's bands were loosed. Now, how, how were their bands loose? They maintained an attitude of praise, an attitude of worship. And they did not choose to, go, to get under a yoke of bondage. What's the yoke of bondage once again? Had they begin to complain and murmur about the situation, talking about how bad their backs were hurting and bleeding and all that. How Saul of Tarsus probably says, when I was Saul of Tarsus before I became Paul the Apostle, this never happened to me. I was the one throwing people in jail. Now I'm in jail. I'm all beaten up. What's the use of serving God anymore? Oh, beloved, when I hear people say that, why? Because it's so difficult to serve God. In the United States of America, it's not hard to serve God. You go to a foreign land where I recently heard of people in places where when they get baptized in water and they name the name of Christ, they are renounced by their government system and they have no rights or privileges whatsoever at all. Some lives are taken because they name the name of Christ and they die as martyrs. It is not hard to serve God. If it's hard to serve God in this country, then you're not going to serve Him anywhere. I'm telling you right now. We have freedom. In this land, we don't know what it means to be persecuted. We should rise up to a place that we maintain an attitude of praise and and of gratitude and thankfulness of heart, beloved, because we have this freedom in this land. And we can serve Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth unhindered. Oh, thanks be to God for what we have. They didn't complain about it. And God inhabited their praises. And because of that attitude of praise, the result was glorious. And even the others around him got delivered and set free. Look at David in Psalms 34. The situation is that he's in trouble again. There's adversity around every corner. In trouble. You know the story about his life with, with Saul, how he wanted to kill him and all that. He's running scared. Fear around every corner. Dread around every corner. Dreaded fear everywhere he went. Think about it. Someone's going to take his life. Someone's trying to take his life everywhere he goes. But he no- notice here he has an attitude about him. A firmly fixed position. This is my state of being. This is my attitude of mind. This is what I will do. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will. I choose to use my will. I exercise my free will agency to bless the Lord at all times, in the difficult places, in the hard places. Paul says you've got to learn to do this. It's not something that's automatic because it's an unnatural thing. The natural thing is to complain. The natural thing is to murmur. The natural thing is to look at the the negative side, the, the side of defeatism. But beloved, he said, I choose as an act of my will. How many of you know that you can control what happens in you? 
You can't control what happens out there all the time like David couldn't, but he could control what happened in him. And because he chose to to have an attitude of praise and worship because he chose to use his will to bless and praise the Lord God Almighty, some glorious things took place in his life, as we'll see here in a minute. But I want to, again, emphasize the fact that he could control what happened in him. You can control your attitude. I can control my attitude. What did the Lord say? The Lord God, Jehovah Almighty, El Shaddai, the God, uh, the creator of all mankind, to Cain when he brought his sacrifice. His countenance was fallen because the Lord did not accept what he brought. But the Lord said, why has your countenance fallen? Why are you so discouraged? Why are you so saddened? Why have you lost your initiative? Why are you in this state of oppression? Why are you like that? If you'll just do the right thing, you think he was telling him to do something that he could not do? If you will change your attitude... If you'll just do what I said do and change your attitude and come with the right offering. What was the right offering? Back then they had to do different things. But thank God the only offering that we are to give the Father God is a a sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. The fruit of our lips giving thanks unto His name. If we would just change what's going on in us, if we change our spiritual attitude, if we change our emotional attitude and align it up with, with praise and thanksgiving, it'll be accepted before the Lord God Almighty. And before you know it, He'll be moving His big and little toe just for you. And His glory be revealed. Spirit of glory, glory be upon you also. He'll be moving. See, once again, we want to get His deliverance. We want to get His help. We want to deal with situations in the power of God. But we've got to do it accordingly, according to the Word, according to the way He said, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. He said, Because they did not, and because they did things their own way, they were drawing nigh unto death. But then they lifted up their voice and changed their attitude and cried to the Lord. He says, And I heard them, and I delivered them out of their affliction. Oh, that men would just praise the Lord for His goodness and wonderful works. And don't allow the the situations to control their attitudes. We can control what happens in us. And David did. He says, I will bless the Lord. Say it with me. I will bless the Lord. Lord. Amen. I will bless the Lord. See, we can, we can choose to control what happens in us and what we say and what we do. So he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise is in my mouth. My soul. There it is again. The attitude. The, the emotional attitude that we demonstrate. That's what he's talking about. My soul will make her boast in the, of the Lord. And then the humble will hear about it and they'll be glad. And they'll begin to serve the Lord God with gladness of heart. Notice he's talking about those two things in Deuteronomy. Joy and gladness. Joyfulness and gladness. Rejoice, Paul said, in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Why did he continue to emphasize that? Because he knew the power that was in praise. He said here, their hearts would be glad. The humble will hear about it. Why? Because you know what humble people do? They just absorb more of God. More grace is given to the humble. And when they learn that secret of praise, that secret of worship, that secret of of willing to to worship God and have an attitude of praise, they'll hear about it and they'll be glad. 
My soul will make your, your boast in thee, Lord. The humble shall hear thee be glad. And then he says, he invites everybody around him, Come on and magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. How was he seeking the Lord in worship and praise? By blessing Him and magnifying Him and saying, Father God, doesn't matter what it appears. It doesn't matter what I see. My eyes, it doesn't matter what they see. I know that You're big. I know that You're glorious and powerful. I'm looking to You. I'm not looking to the difficulty. I'm not looking to the circumstance. I'm looking to You. My eyes are upon You and I choose as an act of my will with everything that was within me to bless You. I will magnify You. I will glorify Your name. And He heard me. Glory to God. You know how important it is to know that God heard you? The Bible says, if we know He heard us, then we know we have the petition we've desired of Him. Hallelujah. And He heard me, He said. He heard me. He heard, he heard me and, and delivered me because you served me with joyfulness and gladness. I will deliver you. He says, I will deliver you. But if you don't, you won't be delivered. You'll serve the enemy. Because of oppression. Because of the attitude that you have. But notice this. He heard me. He heard me and delivered me out of one fear. No. 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 He delivered me from all my fears. I was afraid my children weren't going to make it. Well, seek the Lord. He'll hear you and deliver you from that fear. Hallelujah. Change your attitude of heart and mind and begin to have an attitude of praise and, and worship God. No, God doesn't bring the, the, the circumstance. God's not the one who's, who instigates all these different things, the difficulties and the adversities that we face in life. He is the one who will live big in our praise to destroy them, to cause them to be overcome by His power and might in and through our lives. He heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. And that word there that is used, it it talks about dreaded events, troubles, and dangers. He'll deliver me from dreaded events, troubles, and dangers. Look at verse 7. Well, let's read on on through. They looked unto him and, and were lighted, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles, the angel of the Lord. That expression right there, the angel of the Lord, is a term used for God himself coming down to the earth. It's a term that is used for God himself coming down to the earth. In the Old Testament, where you read there a lot of times, angel of the Lord, like in the fire furnace, angel of the Lord, that's the Lord himself coming down. You ever think about how can the angel of the Lord encamp around all them? That fear him? You see, an angel can't be omnipresent. Can an angel be omnipresent? You ready for this? The angel of the Lord, the Lord himself, shall come down in your praise if you fear him and deliver you. Hallelujah. The angel of the Lord will encamp. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. About all them that fear him. See, the Lord himself shall come down. He's already in us right now. But when we begin to cooperate with an attitude of praise, He manifests Himself and His glorious power in the earth like He did there for Paul and Silas. And what's He do? He delivers them. He delivers them. He delivers them. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you're going to be a different person. You're going to rise up and say, Hallelujah, together we can do it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm an attitude, I have an attitude of gratitude today. And we can do it, Father God. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what comes my way. Doesn't matter what I've got to face in this day. Nothing is too difficult for you. And you're on my side. And you're in me. And I fear you above all things. 
Amen. That's got a reverential fear. But because I praise you, you'll deliver me from every dreaded event I can face in this life. Hallelujah. And so I voice my praise unto you. I glorify you. Notice, it's not just, like I said, repeating those things. It's knowing this. It's entering into that realm. It's absorbing of His presence, of His power, of His grace, of His love, of His wisdom, of His might. And then going and operating in the power of that endless life. And then when difficulties come, even when your back is beaten open and you're bleeding and you're in the stalks, you can say, glory to God, hallelujah. Father, I put this in your care. You care for me. I'm turning this situation over unto you. They probably want to kill me in the morning, but it's all yours now. And I'm just going to sing my way to victory, hallelujah. And I'm going to voice my praise unto you. And I'm going to magnify you. Now, just take that into any, any situation that you're encountering in life. Whether it's your child that's going astray. And you want to say, Father God, I'm telling you, you've made that child. That child is, is for your honor and for your glory. You've given me the responsibility to lead them into all your will. And they're choosing to be rebellious right now. But you know what, Father God? I'm not going to be worried about it. I'm not going to take the care of it. I'm not going to get anxious over it. Father God, I'm just turning it over unto you because you care for me. I'm making a highway for you to move right now. And I'm going to praise your holy name and believe that you are moving on my behalf and you're greater in me and I'm allowed to move through me and I know that life is touched and changed in Jesus' name. And just let the peace of God garrison about you and protect your heart and mind and then think on things that are good, true, lovely, good, report, and honest. And I'll, hallelujah, you'll be the one who know, who has learned how now to do what? To be independent of the circumstances. You're not swayed with the change. If they say something good to you, praise God, but you're not swayed by that. If something bad happens, you're not swayed by that either. Do you see the fixed position that you're in? What happens out there in the natural has nothing to do with what's happening on the inside. Glory to God. i got the victory already. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father God. And with your body, it's the same way. Too often people will walk away from a healing line. And they you know, ask God to be healed, delivered, and set free. And the power of God comes upon them. The healing power begins to work inside their bodies. And they walk away. And within 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or an hour later, because they didn't experience immediate deliverance, they begin to say, well, I guess I didn't get it. I never get anything. I don't know why I went up there in the first place. And just murmur and complain. A wrong attitude, that's a sad attitude. That's not a glad attitude. I'm telling you, when you know how God moves and how He works and how we keep the switch of faith turned on by our power, by the power of praise, you'll walk away from that place and you'll ignore the circumstances. As far as the circumstances are concerned, you're not concerned about that because you've already made contact with heaven. You've made contact with God from above. You're, the power of God is operating right now inside you. The anointing is flowing inside you. And you'll just continue to have an attitude of praise and thanksgiving and say, Thank you, Father God, I have received. I thank you for the blessing that's working inside my body right now. And I think that I'm delivered. I'm whole. I'm set free by the power of the Word, by the name of Jesus, by the anointing every yoke is broken and your spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in me is quickening me right now and I praise you for it Father God hallelujah I think on these things things that are good things that are good report hallelujah not the doctor's negative report not anybody else's report of sight what they see you don't look too well today glory to God I've got some inside information what you say to me is not going to get inside me hallelujah and what you say about me that's going to affect me what affects me is what I believe in God's holy written word and the power of God is actively at work inside me and I don't know about you but I can't take it any longer let's Let's, let's, shout, let's stand up and shout our praise unto God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. 
Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.